Hey all, I'm Fina. I have a great opportunity to introduce our speaker, Mrs. Johnson. I'd like to say a couple of things. Ms. Johnson is such a great leader and mentor towards me, and she's really helped me through a lot, so please give a warm welcome. Good morning. Thanks all for um, being here to worship and to listen today. Um, so today I have a question that I want to start with asking you, and it's, have you ever felt like you're alone, like you are maybe in a room full of people, people are everywhere, maybe you're smiling, um, but maybe on the inside you feel completely alone. Nobody really knows what you're, what you're thinking, what you're going through, where you're suffering. Um, today I'm going to share about a season like that for me, where I had people everywhere, but I felt alone. I'm going to share how I survived that season, um, how the Lord carried me through it. And while I hope that my story encourages you and I hope that it challenges you in some places, I don't want that encouragement or that challenge to be rooted in me or in my story. I want it to be rooted in God and in his story. So really quickly, bear with me, let's remember um, some people in God's story that probably felt alone in their suffering. I was thinking about this. I was thinking that Hagar must have felt alone after she gave um, birth to Abraham's son, Ishmael, and then was tormented by his wife, Sarah. And then she was just sent away in the desert with a skin of water. But in her tears, God spoke to her, and he, he told her not to be afraid, that he has heard her boy's cries. He had heard her boy's cries. I also thought that Hannah must have felt alone. When she desperately wanted a child, she cried out to the Lord and praised him. And the Lord remembered her. David must have felt alone when he was fleeing Saul. Um, but we know from the Psalms that David cried out to the Lord and that he heard and that he answered. And then, of course, Jesus must have felt alone on the cross. Talk about people all around you. Um, even wanting his death. And he had done nothing. And he even cried out to God and said, why have you forsaken me? So there's lots of examples in God's word of this. Um, so we are not alone in feeling alone in suffering. And um, as I share my story, I hope you remember these stories um, from God's word, how they responded in lament and in tears and in prayers. And most importantly, how God saw and how he heard and how he responded. So some of you in this room, you right now are in a season of suffering or alone. Um, and my hope by the end of this is that you will feel a little less alone, um, that you will be confident in God's presence with you, that you will even maybe walk away with some tools to help you walk through that. Um, and for those of you in this room who maybe are not in a season of suffering or of alone, um, I hope that you learn to um, see and love and serve those around you who may be in that season. I hope that you learn um, what it means to enter into another's suffering. And what I mean by that, I will use that term a lot today, um, to be, that means to me to be able to sacrificially love, care for, and serve others. To literally come alongside them in a way where you are holding their pain. So I'm going to start with this picture. Um, come on, clicker. Oh, is it up? Okay. This was me and my family um, five years ago, almost exactly. And in this season, one day, I was accidentally bumped in my chest, found, felt a tiny lump that didn't feel right. And so called my doctor, made an appointment, didn't really tell many people, and I was a little concerned at first, but not overly worried. And during that first appointment, my doctor 
assured me that she thought things were probably okay, but I should get more testing just to be safe. So I left that appointment with a little bit of relief, but still um, knowing that I was not yet in the clear. However, since my doctor wasn't too concerned, I went to that next follow-up appointment by myself. Not smart, now that I look back on it. Um, thought it would be quick and easy. That first scan that I had led the doctors to want to do an ultrasound. The ultrasound led them to want to do a biopsy. Things were really moving and escalating quickly. Um, and so I knew that this probably wasn't good. And I was sitting in this waiting room, this little tiny office by myself, and immediately was like, I should not have come here alone. That was not smart. Um, but, you know, I look back at that time and think, maybe that was what God wanted for me in that moment, in that moment to feel alone so that he was literally the only one I could run to. So fast forward a few days, the results were in, and I did, in fact, have breast cancer. Um, what I had was called invasive ductal carcinoma, present in two of my lymph, no lymph nodes, stage two. Our hope is to cure you. I will never forget the words of the nurse on the phone. And I would later find out that this would be through 16 rounds of chemo, a few surgeries, 28 rounds of radiation. So as you can see from the picture, I was a young, um, healthy mom to two girls. They were three and seven. Those are my daughters, Cameron and Quinn. Um, a wife to my husband, Ron, who had actually just lost his dad two months prior to this. And here I was. My world had obviously been rocked, and I knew I was about to enter a battle. And if you've ever known anyone who's battled cancer, you know that the first um, weeks and months after a diagnosis are a nonstop cycle of testing and waiting and testing and waiting and worrying um, until the treatment begins. And during that waiting period, I, I would say I experienced a deep aloneness. Um, there were all these what-if statements that ran through my head constantly that kept me from sleeping. You know, those things that you're afraid to even think about, much less say out loud or say to someone else. Um, and there was a big part of me in that time that did not want to allow others to enter into my suffering. I could maybe share the superficial details of this is what I have and this is my treatment, um, but it was really hard to be vulnerable with where my heart was at. So, um, and I knew that if I did truly allow others into my suffering, there was this pressure of how, you know, I'm a Christian, this is how I should walk through this, like with a smile on my face and with joy all the time and praising the Lord. And, and I'm not saying that I didn't because I did, but I did not feel those things all the time. Um, there were many days that I walked through the suffering in deep grief, fear, hopelessness, um, those moments, I don't know if you've ever experienced, experienced them when you're unable to even pray or praise. And at that time, I, I thought that that would display weakness in me. But now I know that that would have, um, and hopefully was, actually evidence of authentic faith. So another reason that I resisted allowing others to enter into that suffering with me was because every time that I shared that diagnosis with people, I watched their face change, I watched their eyes fill up with tears, um, I watched their search for what they didn't know what to say, um, and just like a deep level of grief within those who loved me. And I learned that actually I was traumatizing them, and that was actually traumatizing me. So sounds really silly, but I was feeling guilty for, for um, causing that pain in other people that loved me. So what do you do with those feelings of deep aloneness or suffering that maybe you carry? Do you try to carry that alone, or do you allow others to enter in? Do you allow others to pray for you? Do you ask them to pray, or does that feel too vulnerable? God's word obviously 
is no surprise that it tells us to carry one another's burdens, to mourn with those who mourn, and it tells us that as the body of Christ, we belong to one another. So why is it hard to do those things? So although this is something I initially resisted, um, people in my life came alongside me um, and served and loved me. They didn't ask me what to do, they just did. So it could have been a meal, it could have been picking up my kids, cleaning my house, it could have been sending me a text of a Bible verse or a prayer. And all those ways that people showed up for me were helpful and they were good. Um, But the reason that they actually impacted me was because they pointed me to Jesus and um, the fact that he was with me, that I was not alone. So during this time, I had two dear friends, um, and their names were Kat and Leah. Clicker. Um, And they were two young women like me that were suffering the same um, cancer. And we became really close during this time. We did everything together. We went to treatments together. Um, My dear friend Kat, who is the one in the middle, she was a young mom of two little girls, um, and her cancer had spread all through her body. And so I just watched her get sicker and sicker every day. And when I was first diagnosed, she obviously, if anybody could understand, she could. Um, because she had already been battling this. And I remember the text that she sent me that said, you, sister, get to see Jesus show up in the most real way over and over. You get to be mind blown. Sorry. You get to be mind blown by his faithfulness and to testify of his goodness like never before. So um, she celebrated my milestones and my healing like they were her own, even though she was dying. So when I think of what it means to enter into another suffering, I think of her. Um, And then I can't talk about this journey without talking about my mom. So I don't know if you can imagine walking through something like this with your child. Um, But it's got to be just unimaginable. And my mom, who lives in Iowa... Sorry, I brought Kleenex up here. Um, drove here to Minnesota every week for every single treatment, and she took care of me and my family every single week until I was well enough to take care of myself. And I know that she, this was hard for her, but she always had a strong um, face in front of me. But I know that when she wasn't with me, that that wasn't the case. And so yet another example of someone that entered into my suffering. Um, being willing to experience and carrying my pain, even when it costs them something. And because of these examples in my life and others, I was allowing others. I was beginning to allow others to enter in. And God used that to show me really how loved I was by them, but most importantly, how loved I was by him. And so here's where my story takes a little turn. So one of the um, scariest part of, of my story was my chemo treatments. So I was really dreading the sickness that you know comes along with those things. And chemo, if you've never been um, with someone, it takes place in a really large room and it's all these chairs and all these people. And my goal was like, I'm gonna get in and out as quickly as possible and I'm gonna keep my head down and I'm not gonna talk to anybody and I'm gonna get through this. Um, And that's what I did for the first day. And then the next week, um, my best friend Jamie, she had planned this surprise for me and this she was in this Bible study that I was in, and, and they came up with these um, blessing bags for me and that I could hand out during my chemo treatments, which, um, as you can imagine, I 
told you what my goal was in these, was to not talk to anybody. But because she had done such a kind thing for me, I knew that like, I didn't really have a choice. So um, the first time that I um, did this, I was really, really nervous. And um, a little bit resistant, probably a lot a bit resistant. Um, so I would walk up to the person, and I was hearing, before I knew it, their stories and their um, diagnosis. I was hearing about their families, um, things that they were fearing or scared of. Um, and I listened to them, and I cried with them, and I prayed with them, um, most of them not believers. And my message to them was always the same. Jesus loves you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. He has never left you. He never will. I always share, don't miss what he's doing in the pain. Don't miss the beauty among the ashes. And it sounds crazy, but my chemo treatments actually um, be began to become like per kind of a party every week. I would have like five to ten friends and family join me. I would hand out a bunch of these bags every week. Um, and even my daughter, Cameron, I had to show this sweet picture. Um, my daughter, Cameron, and her friend, Bren, um, joined in on the fun. They wrote cards for my blessing bags um, and even came in and uh, handed them out on the last day. Um, and so my friends and family that would come and join me for these, they could not believe that a place that should feel dark and depressing and sad um, was actually a place filled with God's presence. It was filled with laughter. It was filled with hope. And actually, on my last day of chemo, I had, I counted 21 people come celebrate with me and hand out bags. The limit is two, just, just so you know. Um, and this was my crew on the last day. These are um, the people who entered into my suffering, my soul sisters. So um, in my suffering, I was actually finding joy and hope by entering into suffering of others. And God used it to really transform my heart, to give me a deep compassion um, to make sure that people are seen and known and loved. But maybe you can relate to that resistance to letting people truly enter in. And maybe if you are, you can start to think about why that is. And I thought about that for me, why that was for me. Um, and I think it is because carrying another's burden costs us something. But from my story, I was thinking of a few ways that if you do have someone um, that you know that's walking through a season of alone or a season of suffering, um, a few things from my story that hopefully will help you to love them well. And that first thing is to be persistent in loving and serving them, even if they don't ask for it, and even if maybe they resist. And obviously use discernment here, um, but I know that if people hadn't done this for me, I would have remained in the pit that I was in. Sometimes we all need someone to drag us out of bed, to pull us from the pit. Um, remember that suffering people don't often know the answer to the question of what can I do. So for me, I appreciated people just doing it. Um, suffering people also don't know how to answer the question, how are you? Um, great, I have breast cancer, I'm great. Um, and so my dear friend Stacia would ask me, how's your heart? Something about that question showed me a deeper level of love and care. And it was easier for me to wrap my mind around that. The next is to pray for them. And I don't want to say that like, a cliche thing, but really actually pray. And when you do share those with them, even if it's over text message, even if it's written, um, I know without a doubt that the prayers of others is what God used to carry me through. 
There were moments that I would get prayers texted to me that would be the exact promise or truth of God I needed to hear right then. Something that was not helpful for me during that time was when people went into kind of like what I like to call cheerleader mode with me and would be like, you got this, you're so strong. Um, well, I know that there's a really good intentions behind those statements. I knew that I didn't have this and I knew that I was not strong. And if their encouragement didn't point me to the one who did have this and the one who was strong, it was not helpful. So in all of those things, if there are suffering people around you, ask God, God for eyes to see them. Because sometimes they're suffering silently. So many cancer patients, as you know, are identified by um, no hair on their head, maybe no eyelashes or eyebrows. And during my treatment, I decided to do something that was called cold capping, which is the weird thing you saw on my head in the pictures. Um, and it was essentially like a ice pack helmet that I put on my head during chemo and it helped to, um, so that I could keep my hair. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And I chose to do this because I wanted to be able to live my life and go to my kids' games and go to Target and out to dinner and not be seen as a cancer patient. But the flip side of that was that since it wasn't obvious to the world, when people around me were inconsiderate or rude or unkind, it hurt me in a way that they probably didn't understand. So a reminder to all of us to consider that there, is al there are always people suffering that we can't see. And then for those of you who are in this room who are in a season of suffering, here's what helped me. I'm not typically like a journaler, but during the season I was, um, because it helped me process through those fears. It helped me lament out to the Lord. It helped me to write out my prayers. Um, and it, I forced myself to put a greatest his faithfulness, G-I-H-F, entry in every single one so that my eyes stayed lifted to the Lord. And the cool thing about that was that I can look back and see what God did and be reminded of his faithfulness. Um, another thing that helped me is during that time, especially when people would send me a scripture, I would memorize it and I would say it over and over and over. And I called it my fighter verse and it changed all the time based on what I needed. It's a challenge to you guys to have one of those handy um, because your fighter verse actually does fight for you. Fighter songs fight for you. Um, because there truly is power in God's word and there's power in worship. I actually have a fighter verse up here right now, you guys. Um, when Jody Goldie was here a month or so ago, she shared about ways that we get out of our head. Um, remember she said that you get your body moving, you go out in nature, you um, keep yourself in awe of who God is. And I, I would say that was true for me during this time too. I would go on prayer walks and runs and I would... Um, audibly cry out to the Lord and pray, and people were driving by looking at me like I was crazy all the time, um, but I didn't care because those walks lifted my eyes um, and refocused it on the goodness of God. So those were the ways that God met me, where I physically felt his presence with me, reminding me that I was not alone. And I want you to know that God with us doesn't mean that he's just there. Um, it actually means that he enters into our pain and that he carries our pain and that he walks with us through it and that he weeps with us. So at the start of my journey, my dear friend Anne was another person in my life, like Kat and my mom, of a suffering person that entered into mine. 
She actually told me that when this is all over that I would say, thank you, Lord, I know you well. And today I stand here, five, five years cancer-free, and I say, thank you, Lord. So I'll wrap up. <sighs> okay, stop. You guys are making me cry again. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm almost done. Um, but a few days ago, I read this quote in one of my devotionals that was just um, really perfect for what I'm talking about. It says, suffering creates an interpretive lens, either refining the sufferer's vision of God or blurring it. So I hope you caught from my story that leaning into God's word, his promises, and his people in suffering and allowing them to enter into yours can and will actually refine your vision of God. And being willing to enter other people's can refine their vision of God too. So I want to leave you all with this. If you feel alone in your suffering, in your anxiety, in your depression, in your circumstances that maybe others around you don't know, my challenge is to choose. It's a choice to believe God's word, to believe what he says, to believe the words that I shared with my chemo friends five years ago, that Jesus loves you, that he sees you, that he will never leave you, he never has, and he never will. And so I'm asking you guys to pray with me quickly, and I'll dismiss you. Lord, thank you that you never do leave us or forsake us. And I lift up this pe the people in this room who are in a season of suffering or feeling alone, that you would send um, just specific encouragement to their hearts and evidence that they know that they are seen and known and loved by the God of the universe. And for those who are not in a season of suffering right now, Lord, I pray that you would give them eyes to see those who are hurting and give them opportunities to love and to serve them in a way that refines their vision of you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Amen.